It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host in this multiverse of madness, Skylar Timmons. Oh, sick. Joined by my Doctor Strange friend, Mac Wilcox. Yeah, man, I don't have a third eye, but I am working on uh, finding the Book of Vishanti to further uh, uh, educate myself on the uh, astral plane and what that can do to affect my knowledge of uh, baseball across the multiverse. Ooh, and yeah. and our spoiler-free individual Evan Lang, <laughs> who has yet to see it. If I could use the Eye of Agamemnon to reverse time, I would make that series nice. against the Giants not happen. True. Ooh. Wouldn't we all like to do that? But perhaps in the multiverse, the Rockies are the best team in baseball and have been for decades. There is a, there is an alternate reality somewhere where Troy Tulowitzki played his entire season and never went on the injured list. And Todd Helton won a world series ring and Herman Marquez threw that no hitter. It's all exists. But is there an alternate universe where Jeff Breidich is a good general manager? Well, I mean, that's a, it's probably out there somewhere, but <laughs> I, I feel like it's also the one where like, you know, the Rockies moved to like San Diego or Ugh. something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or, or like, Breidich becoming the general manager is like a fixed point in time, and there's no matter what <laughs> we do, it's just inevitable. In every in, reality, this is a constant. As seen in What If, the Marvel series on Disney Plus, the Doctor Strange episode. Nice. Oh, coming with receipts. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Uh, we've got the Rockies just finished up a horrible road trip. Uh, <laughs> so the home slash road Rockies dynamic is back once again this year. And so we'll talk all about that. We've also got, let's just, we'll catch up with some old friends. You know, it's been a, it's been a while, been a little month. We haven't talked a lot about some of our old friends from last year's team and guys just in the past that are, doing bigger and better things, or so you would think, in the world of baseball with their new teams. But overall, I guess with this icebreaker, we just had Mother's Day this last week. Uh, what's your favorite 
baseball memory involving a mother or mother-like figure or just a parent in general? Aw. We'll start I'll with I'll go. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my mom has not been a baseball fan for most of her life, but as uh, we started getting more and more into the Rockies, she actually got into them too. And so now my mom's one of the biggest Rockies fans out there, which has been really cool to see the the transition. Uh, we've gone to a couple of games together. Uh, we uh, took the bus from Boulder to Denver a couple years back to go catch a Rockies game. And then I've also got a picture that has aged just terribly of uh, us going to some, I think it was the last game of the season, and uh, her being given a rally towel and taking a picture with none other than Jeff Breidich. Mm. And so I have a picture of my mom and Jeff Breidich with his arm around her and like a rally towel, like, yeah, go Rockies, which at the time was very cool. And uh, like I said, has aged really, really poorly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, my mom's is a big old Rockies fan these days. I don't know. I'd argue that's, that's nice. still pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It's it's cool. Like it's you know it's a nice bit of trivia. I just like she she's real emotionally attached to the Rockies, especially so. I think she looks at that with a bit of disdain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't ask her about it. She'll get upset. Brilliant. How about you, Evan? Uh, so my mom's actually not a big sports fan in general. Um, not a Rockies fan at all. Not really, not really into it. But she has always been super duper supportive of my love of baseball and my love of the Rockies. And a big thing for me was that when I first started here at Purple Row, uh, she read my first articles and listened to our first episode of the podcast, despite having uh-huh. zero interest in baseball. <laughs> That's awesome. And what did she think of them? She said we were good. Sick. Shouts to Evan's mom. mom. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, shout out to Evan's mom. (laughs) How how about you, Sky Guy? What's yours? Uh, Yeah, because mine seem like my mom likes baseball. And, like, my dad and my oldest brother and I, we're all obsessed with it. And she kind of puts up with it. Uh, But I wrote about this in my own personal world of writing. But just talking about you no, know, all the memories I've had of you no, know, her always being at my baseball games in high school and whatnot, and sitting behind home plate and always yelling stuff at me, even though she doesn't have like the the full depth of knowledge about baseball, most of us do. But it's always fun taking her to games and for her to just people watch and ask questions. That's awesome. Um, I will say the one thing she always comments on people like the Rockies games. She could not stand that Rymel Toppy would always like click his elbows together for some reason it just oh. bothered her every he'd get into the batter's box and you know he'd you know in his, getting ready in his Do stance and always hit his elbows together for some reason it just bothered her so much that he <laughs> would do that it's one of those weird little things you don't notice until somebody else points it out yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny that noise you know saying everybody needs to cut their hair that's true i know you didn't go recently with your mom to a game but you did finally make it to a rockies game this year a little bit ago Yes, for my birthday. I went with my brother yeah. and my my brother and his kids. What's better than going out to a baseball game with family, man? That's the best. It's good stuff. Good stuff. So, this is out to all the wonderful moms out there. And we know this is a week coming a week late, but a very belated happy Mother's Day and all to the Rockies moms out there. Absolutely. We appreciate. It. We literally could not be here without you. <laughs> very true. But anyways, speaking of guys who are no longer here and are here now, I don't know why that's a weird transition, but <laughs> Justin Lawrence was sent down. Lucas Gilbreth came back up, and unfortunately, it hasn't gone well for Lucas Gilbreth in his short amount of time back up here on the big league roster. And I know, Evan, you're kind of the, the Lucas Gilbreth expert here around. What have you noticed with Lucas Gilbreth or uh, how tough is it to see him kind of struggling this year it's it's really hard to see just how how much he struggled last year especially with he he really was one of the great stories of last year where just uh he came sort of out of nowhere and had a really 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 strong rookie campaign incredibly impressive the the big thing that i have seen in his season so far, his uh, his velocity is down. 
a tick, especially on his four-seam fastball. 2021, he was averaging about 93.3 miles per hour on that fastball. This year so far, it's about 92.4, so it's a full tick down from his regular. Mm. Um, his split finger and his slider are about the same. He's actually getting uh, a little bit less velocity on the slider, um, but the split finger is pretty much the same. But he's also really not locating well. His uh, slider is spread all over the place. Uh, he's not hitting the strike zone particularly well. His fastball the same. He's really not um, hitting his locations. And his mm-hmm. split finger, he's thrown seven times, not once for a strike. Every single one of those has been out of the zone. So wow. he's got this really bad combination of his velocity is down, which his his ball has pretty decent spin to it, sort of middle-of-the-range spin. But there's been a drop in the spin as well. So when he's getting them over the plate, they're just kind of floating right over the plate, and he's getting hit pretty hard. But he's not locating his pitches in general, and that loss of velocity is a little bit of a concern. You know, of course, it's still very early in the season for him. He's made, what, five appearances so far. But he has an ERA of 20.25, and his FIP is 10.87. He's got a monstrously bad whip of 3.5, which comes Mm. from a very high walk rate. Uh, his BB9 is 13.5, and a very high hit rate of 18. It's just, some he he's getting hit, he's getting hit hard, and he's not finding the zone. He only has three strikeouts now and six walks. He's given up a home run and not uh, eight hits, nine earned runs. Just, something's not quite right, something's not quite clicking, as evidenced by that that significant drop in spin and in velocity and just that he really is having a hard time placing those pitches. Well, I was just going to say real quick, because what's so interesting about the specific transaction of sending Justin Lawrence down for the purpose of bringing Lucas Gilbreth up or activating him is that Evan specifically, we liked what we saw out of Justin Lawrence at the start of this season. Definitely. Lawrence was having a really good start to the season where he's been a very solid contributor out of this bullpen. His walks are still fairly high. He's got 10 walks to 16 strikeouts. Um, but his whip is uh, just 1.54. His um, his ERA is 2.19. He'd actually been doing fairly well on the road as well, where I think his ERA on the road was something like 1.93 in four or five innings. And, you know, the walks were still a problem, but he had been a very solid contributor. And then we've watched him in, granted, limited sample size since he's been sent down to Albuquerque. Hasn't walked a single batter. Has been absolutely fabulous down in Albuquerque. No runs allowed in two games, two innings. Just one hit and five strikeouts. I was going to say, I think the biggest problem with everything is, you know, is that Lucas Gilbert, the Rockies, need a left-hander. And, yes. And so on. I don't know why they sent down Lawrence when Ashton Godot is right there not doing as great. But the need for a left-hander when Ty Block's your only lefty in the bullpen and he's more of your long reliever guy, he's going to go out there and throw a couple of innings. He's not meant to come in late in the game, face the three left-handers in the inning, and then just leave. No. And so I think that's been the problem is they just have continually worked themselves in that corner of they need a left-hander in the yes. line in the in the bullpen to utilize and you know, Justin Lawrence, another right-hander. They already have a bunch of them. He's probably lower on the depth chart of just, I guess, veteran presence or whatever, even though Ashton Goudeau hasn't been around much longer than he has at the big league level. So it's, it's I think that's what makes it tough is the Rockies need a left-hander. Lucas Gilbert is struggling a lot right now, but they need a lefty out there. So mm-hmm. that's something to, to keep on the radar. It's, it's so weird because, like, you know, the Rockies' bullpen was ar- arguably their greatest strength in April. You know what I mean? Like, they were they were lights out, especially for the first few weeks of the season. I don't know what's happened, man. And I know the Rockies' bullpen is not pitching well, is like the most evergreen Colorado Rockies take you could possibly have. But I'm just saying that especially – over the last few games, man, they have had a rough, rough go of it. Evan mentioned 
Lucas Gilbreth is walking so many batters. Even Skyler, uh, our other lefty, Ty Block, man, he's got 15 uh, uh, hits in as many innings this season. Good for eight earned runs. Uh, he is striking guys out at a decent clip. He's got 10 strikeouts in those 15 uh, innings versus just four walks. But he's getting hit hard, and his whip is 1.2 at this point. Good for an earned run average of 480. That's not exactly stellar. You know what I mean? Like, he's been fine, but it's not like he has been fantastic. Uh, Carlos Estevez, we've seen, has been struggling mightily recently. Julius Chassin is getting knocked around really bad. So I don't know what changed in that first month of the season for these guys, but something is now not clicking, and I don't know if there's an immediate fix. I appreciate them trying to switch things up with maybe getting Gilbert in there, but yeah, right now the Rockies' bullpen's looking rough. It's ugly, and well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about that at another time. You know, we'll totally. always be talking about the, the Rockies' bullpen, but tons of things. Um, thing I wanted to touch on here real quick, Mac, you wanted to talk about this. I'll let you handle this. Uh, Chris Bryant's still out. Hopefully he could be back soon. Uh, he's been out with the back injury, back soreness, tightness, whatever. Missed the entirety of the road trip. Got a shot in his back. He's been down in Arizona. He's probably back here in Colorado or could be using rehab sometime soon. But what what how, what impact has Chris Bryant not being on the field hurt the Rockies? Yeah, man. I think it's significant. I think you can see it pretty immediately uh, in some of these more recent road trips. Uh, the Rockies lineup was solid, if not spectacular, but solid enough at the start of the season, uh, even despite the struggles of guys like Brendan Rodgers. Uh, and as we've seen guys like Jonathan Daza and Jose Iglesias continue to hit pretty well, the rest of the lineup, not so much. Charlie Blackman's really struggling. CJ Crone has kind of gone quiet as opposed to his blistering start to the season. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that the lineup, no longer having Brian in it, not that he's necessarily a absolute game changer, but it is significantly... What's the opposite of lengthening a lineup? Shortened? That sounds weird. But either way, like, you know, you don't have that lengthy lineup that you had when Chris Bryant is out. I think he's a spark plug. I know we're still waiting on that first home run of the season, but his uh, batting average is very, very solid, or was up until this injury. And as you mentioned, uh, I think they thought when they originally placed Bryant on the injured list that it'd be maybe a few days, a week spell, whatever, just kind of get back to, you know, full health. But now this injury, this back injury has continued to bug him to the point that he's still uh, not necessarily swinging a bat right now. I don't know what the most recent update on his specific physical capabilities are, but when we had last heard, as Skyler alluded to, he got that cortisone shot in his back, which will hopefully kind of speed things up. Um, you know, he said it's more than a pulled muscle. It's something deeper than that. He says he knows what a pulled muscle feels like. It's not that. They said that the tests have revealed no structural damage. This is all information from... Uh, our buddy Patrick Saunders over at the Denver Post, great little article here a couple days ago. But, you know, he has just said that he is playing light catch, but he's not swinging a bat yet. And so that makes you wonder, like, how much more is this going to keep him sidelined? Because a Rockies lineup that, as we know, has not really been that effective the last couple seasons, losing arguably their biggest bat at this point or at least one of their bigger bats uh, for any sort of significant amount of time, especially as we've seen them struggling over this last few road trips. That's significant to a team that is trying to stay out of the basement in the NL West, which is a very, very deep division. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. The Rockies need Bryant in there. And him not mm -hmm. being there, that hurts the lineup. Even just him you know, having that presence on the field. Totally. You know, it's, it's one thing for him to be injured and just hanging out in the dugout. It's another for him to be out there playing every at-bat, fielding balls, doing all that stuff, being in the game, part of the game. So they need him. They need him. We're hurting without they him. They certainly so. do. They certainly do. And it's mostly like he signed that big contract. You want him out there as much as you can, and you don't want him to get injured immediately one month into the season. So, mm -hmm. I just Ugh. hope that it's something that he – is able to come back from in like not that you know i mean everyone's going to need some time to come back from it but i don't want it to be something that's going to affect how he was playing at the start of the season because i don't know about y'all i was really happy with what we saw from brian in that first month or so of the season he looked great at the plate uh he was competently playing left field and as skylar alluded to great clubhouse presence it seemed like he was getting along with the guys very well there's some interviews that say he loves being here loves hanging out with everybody i love stuff like that 
So I just really hope that this back injury doesn't, you know, offset any of that great positive on the field and off the field um, energy that he was bringing to the team. Time will tell, obviously, but we'll have to just kind of keep an eye on that. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of, we'll keep this train moving along. Uh, speaking of that road trip, it was abysmal. Uh, <laughs> not very good. One win um, against the Diamondbacks. Get swept by the Giants. Get roughed up by the Diamondbacks themselves. And now we're back in the comfortable confines of Coors Field. But that seems to be the story once again for the 2022 Rockies is that they need to somehow figure out how to be the same team at home that they <laughs> and do that on the road. So, Absolutely. Evan, what what's been your takeaway so far? The dips, what you're seeing here from the home and road Rockies difference. One of the bigger things is strikeouts on the road are way up in comparison to strikeouts at home. So, in uh, currently on the road, the Rockies have struck out 116 times at home and 131 on the road. And some players are striking out way more frequently on the road. CJ Crone has 19 strikeouts away from Coors Field. And then at home, he's got 14. Uh, even Connor Joe is striking out more. Ryan McMahon, 16 strikeouts at home, 20, uh, 22 on the road. And another big thing is... Not only batting average, but on-base percentage takes a precipitous drop after the top three guys who are hitting on the road. So our three best road hitters right now are Jose Iglesias, Jonathan Daza, and Connor Joe. And only two of those guys are hitting above 300 right now. That's uh, Iglesias and Daza. And those three are the only ones on the entire lineup with an away on-base percentage above 300. So Connor Joe's is the lowest right now at 329, and then the next man up is Randall Gritchick at 289, and it's just a precipitous mm. drop after that. Heck, the majority of our away hitters aren't even hitting above 200. That is that's how bad it's been right now, where they're not just great. flailing. Uh, discipline is worse. They're striking out more. They're not drawing as many walks, and it's it's very peculiar because really the top three guys on the road right now. Only one of them is really a guy you can you'd consider to be one that that drives in a lot of runs, and that's Connor Joe. Jose Iglesias and Yonatan Daza are high on base, you know, singles hitters basically. Though Iglesias has five doubles and four RBIs, and Daza has a double and triple and three RBIs, they're not really going to be your um, your your scoring guys, your your driving in runs guys. They're the guys who get on base and then have to be driven in by somebody else. And at the very bottom of the list, um, you've got some some usual suspects, guys who have been slumping, Sam Hilliard, uh, Brennan Rogers, but some really, really big candidates for guys who really need to step things up on the road are C.J. Crone, Charlie Blackman, and Elias Diaz, guys who we really rely on in this offense who are are just not doing well. Uh, none of them have an on-base percentage uh, above 250. Crohn's is the highest at 250. Um, Crohn has the highest batting average of the three at 211. Blackman's only hitting 204. Diaz only hitting 184. They're all striking out a ton, though Blackman less than the other two. We saw uh, CJ Crohn on this road trip have back-to-back -back three strikeout games for the first time in his career since 2019. Like, it's been a wow. while since he's, you know, really been that that baffled at the plate. And these are guys that we're, we're relying on heavily for our offense, and they're just not getting it done. Like, this whole whole offense, again, looks to be broken, where we're getting scoring minimal runs or getting shut out for the majority of the game. And then in two of those games in San Francisco, we had minor comebacks against Jake McGee in the ninth inning that didn't amount to anything and we still lost and still got swept by the Giants. Like the it, it's ugly. It's bad. Yeah, and and some that makes me wonder is what is it that Jose Iglesias is doing that's translating so well regardless whether he's at Coors Field or at home that's letting him have that high on base, high average 
lack of strikeouts while away from Coors Field. What is it that he's doing that the rest of the lineup can't seem to be doing? That's a great question. <laughs> and I have no idea. I, I I personally have no idea. Um, You know, I think you're exactly right. And also, you know, uh, you both mentioned Jonathan Daza and Jose Iglesias are kind of the main contributors to the offense at this point. Um, You know, I don't know why it is, as Evan alluded to, we're seeing there's just like so many players that are, are completely... And, and again, we've seen the home road splits before. We That's been talked about for millennia at this point in Rockies baseball culture. But like, you know, you mentioned these, this road trip. They they scored five runs total in three games against the Dimebacks. Four of those came in a victory on Saturday, okay? As he as Evan mentioned, the Rockies got a bit of a comeback against Jake McGee. They scored five runs in their first game against the Giants on Monday the 9th. In the second game on Tuesday, they scored two runs. In the last game on Wednesday, they scored one. That is a pretty marked difference from the most recent homestand in which they had a three-game set against the Nationals where they scored two runs in the first game, five runs in the second game, and nine runs in the third game. Now, obviously, the pitching staff for the Nationals is a bit different than the Dimebacks and the Giants, who, it must be said, the Dimebacks and the Giants rotations are, respectfully, far, far better and more competent than the Nationals. But even so, that is a striking difference within a one-week period. In a, in a one-week period, the Rockies scored nine runs in one game, and then they were able to match that total in four following games. That's crazy. So I don't know what's working for guys like Jose Iglesias and Jonathan Daza. I don't know where, you know, the strikeout specifically. It's one thing if you're just hitting the ground or hit the ball on the ground. It's not flying as far. It's San Francisco air. I get that. But as Evan mentioned, the strikeouts from CJ Crone, what is going on there? He is known as a guy arguably the best player on the team at recognizing pitches, having a great idea of what the strike zone looks like, having a good sense of what is a reasonable pitch to swing at. If CJ Crone's going to fly out or ground out, it's usually on a halfway decent pitch that you just didn't get, such as life. But man, yeah, the number of strikeouts we're seeing from him right now, that's one of the things I really kind of look at specifically as like, okay, something's not clicking. Maybe it's, as been talked about, so many times maybe it's the pitches are breaking differently at sea level versus altitude i don't know it's not really my my place as you know somebody who just watches the game from a fan perspective to really speculate on but yeah there is definitely a major disconnect for this entire lineup right now other than those two guys a big thing as well is that guys are hitting the ball on the ground a lot more. We've discussed this with guys like Randall Grichik, where he's got like a career-high ground ball percentage right now. Jose Iglesias also has a really high ground ball percentage of 53.1%. Right. But really strangely, he's making that work, where uh, on balls hit on the ground, Iglesias has a 302 batting average and a 302 on base percentage. And when he hits a line drive, there's almost a guaranteed hit for him, where for line drives, he's got a 722 batting average and on base percentage and a slugging percentage of 944. So he's getting extra base hits and and frequent hits on line drives. But so many other guys are, are just driving the ball into the ground. We had, in one of the games on this road trip, I was commenting uh, live on Twitter that, like, it's the fifth inning and the Rockies haven't managed to muscle a ball past the infield. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what I'm thinking of is, no, you'll think of the approach on the road. Like, yes, the course field effect is real, but I think it gets blown out of proportion way more than we think it does because totally. I don't think there's that big giant drastic change in the pitch movement. You know, it's still coming in at 95 miles an hour. You know, the fastballs are still moving the same roughly. Yeah, there'll be a little bit more bite to them. But mm-hmm. your approach shouldn't have to change because you know, they should be good at recognizing pitches and, oh, this pitch moves a certain way. You know, here's where it's going to end up. And I think that's what's so good with Jose Iglesias is he has a nice, short, he has good compact contact swing. That's who he is. That's what he's always been. And so you mentioned those ground balls, but where are those ground balls going? They're going straight back up the middle. He's finding yep. the holes often for his hits. 
and then he's hitting line drives. So he's not trying to do anything drastic. And I we see on this list a lot of our guys are a little bit more prone for power are the ones that are struggling the most on the road. And then they're either beating it into the ground or popping it straight up to the catcher. Now we see Charlie Blackman do that quite a bit. And so I think it's the approach on the road needs to change where it needs to be a little bit more, okay, we need to focus just hitting line drives, make contact. Because that's going to play more on the road. We can string together hits that way instead of you know, relying on the home run, which they can't do on the road because nobody, hardly anybody can hit a home run on the road. Right. And so it, I, if I'm the players on the Rockies, I'd go to Jose Iglesias. I'm like, what are you doing on, on the road that, <laughs> that might help me? Because he's really good at making contact. That's why the Rockies got him. They knew he'd make good contact, and he is. High contact guy, getting on base. And you get a, a number of those guys in that lineup. You get C.J. Crone just starting to hit more line drives on the road. All of a sudden, Randall Gritchick follows suit. Charlie Blackman. Pretty soon, you're having these great rallies like they did against the Giants a couple times. So that's something that they got to figure out is what approach works on the road. What's crazy is... So league average for for ground balls right now is 43.9%. And almost every single Rockies hitter is hitting above that right now. And it tops out with Randall Gritchick, who is hitting ground balls at 60.3% clip. And then you've got Iglesias 53-1, Rogers 51-6. Pretty much everybody is just hitting the ball right into the dirt, except for Elise Diaz, CJ Crone, and Ryan McMahon. Even then, they are getting a decent amount of ground ball contact and it's really not working and and something i've i've discussed is that so the rockies have 15 losses now almost all of them have been by a pretty wide margin so over those 15 losses in general eight of those losses have been by four or more runs and seven have been by at least six runs and that's even more stark on the road so 10 of our 15 losses are all on the road. Seven of those losses have been by at least four runs. And half of those road losses, five of our 10 road losses, have been by at least six runs. So it's not just, it's not wow. just that we are losing on the road. It's that we are getting blown out on the road. And so to that end, it's affecting the pitching staff as well, isn't it? We're, you know, we're seeing uh, the Rockies obviously not score runs, but you're not going to lose by six just by not scoring runs. You're also allowing a lot of contact from the pitching staff. And that's, I think, where we really talk about how, in addition to the Rockies not scoring runs offensively, they are allowing much more. We talked about the bullpen struggling recently on the road just as much as the lineup has. So I think it really is a complete top-down problem when it comes to leaving the confines of cores that the entire team, all 27 guys, are really, really... 26? How many are there this season? I don't know. How many guys there are are really starting to struggle? Once you leave uh, Denver, there is some sort of... I don't know if it's like a mental thing or what. I could not even begin to tell you. But there is clearly a change to the approach from the pitch, uh, the pitching staff and the lineup that is not yielding the kind of results that they need. And it puts so much pressure on the pitching staff because when you are not getting run support... You have to be perfect, and you can't be perfect, not all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like we had Chad Cool the other day against San Francisco put up, you know, his his worst start of the season, and it wasn't even that bad a start where he gave up five earned runs. That was still a winnable game, but the Rockies mm-hmm. just didn't do anything. The entire game, just nothing happened on offense, where for that whole game we scored one run, and we lost 9-1. to one. But... Mm. It should not be that we are putting such an emphasis on pitching that they have to be perfect and we are asking too much of them. Our best pitcher on the road right now is Kyle Freeland. He's gotten a .82 ERA in 11 innings on the road. That's awesome, and yet he's only got one win as the pitcher on record, and you know wins are not a, a great stat for measuring pitcher success, but you look at the games where he is starting and the games where he is either not getting a decision or is getting the loss because he can't be perfect and the offense isn't backing him up. Yep. Yeah. Now, I think you know you look at the half of that starting rotation on the road, Austin Gomber, Chad Cool, Kyle Freeland, 
all doing good or good to fine. Um, they've had some clunkers here in this last road trip that really kind of ballooned things. But overall, those three guys have been pretty good. But then it goes back to the struggles of Herman Marquez, Antonio Senzatella. Yep. Uh, Marquez has been roughed up this season. Antonio Senzatella's had really good starts and some really bad ones. He's at a 10.38 ERA in eight and two-thirds. And then you go into wow. that bullpen, there's only two guys that have an ERA under four in that bullpen, and that's Tyler Kinley and Justin Lawrence, and Lawrence isn't there anymore. Everyone else, mm. the next lowest was Daniel Bart at 4.15 on the road. And even then, he hasn't given up that many runs on the road. <laughs> just three runs in four and a third innings. So it, it's just a bizarre thing these past couple of seasons where the road Rockies, their pitching is much worse than the home Rockies. Yes. Which is just bizarre to think about. If you had told me that, looking at the ERAs of guys in the 90s that you know, nearly 30 years later in 2022, that the Rockies pitching would be better at Coors Field in Colorado at high altitude as opposed to traveling on the road, I would have slapped you in the head. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bizarre to think about. And it's not just the pitching and the hitting, too. We've seen complete defensive meltdowns on routine yep. plays. How many, yep. it, what was it, game two against the Giants, where there were multiple easy double play opportunities and just something went wrong, where the biggest one was Jose Iglesias has the ball for the easy double play, and instead of just running the ball to second, and he is maybe two feet away from the bag, he tosses it to Hampson, who has a ton of ground to cover, and they only get the one out. Or Ryan McMahon, who's been defensively struggling, and most of his defensive struggles are coming on the road. It's just such a bizarre thing that we look at the Rockies on the road, and it's just a complete meltdown on all sides of the ball, on pitching, on hitting, on defense. It's so weird. Yeah. It, your team should not make you want to not watch half of their games in a 162-game season. So it's Facts. something they're, they're going to have to figure out, and whether it be improving their research and development team, figuring out their approach, the team needs to sit down like, yeah, it's not working. We need to just overhaul this approach on the road because, or bring somebody in to specifically figure out how to hit on the road. And it, this is a Skyler. It's funny that you mentioned that you know you you shouldn't not want to not watch half of your team's games. Like I, I can relate to this specifically where that series with the Giants, when they would go up by one run, the game felt like it was over. And then mm-hmm. all three of those games, I am a guy who. Nine times out of ten, we'll sit through any ball game to the bitter end. I will watch it through to the very end. All three of those games against the Giants, I turned the game off early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's And it goes back to a lot of problems we're talking about when guys are just striking out again and again and again. Like, if the Rockies are making contact, there's at least some hope that something will happen. But when it's strikeout after strikeout, pop-up after pop-up, Oh, and then the Giants score three runs on a triple. Uh, you don't want to watch anymore, and it's it's not fun because the Road Rockies are just so abysmal. But then they're back home, so we'll have a nine-game home series, home homestand. We'll watch every single game because it's fun to watch the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what? the same, if not maybe even worse feeling at the very least because there were at least somewhat more expectations of the Rockies this year of this team having two faces of the the fun and exciting home rockies where you want to watch and it's so much fun this is great and the the abysmal road rockies where it's just an absolute slog and and the strikeouts too carlos rodon is a great pitcher no team should strike out 16 times in nine innings of baseball Mm-hmm. exactly so hoping a prayer that they can figure it out because I don't like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde status of the Rockies totally uh, that much because I like to enjoy all 162 games and not just 81 out of the season so 
We'll see, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here and stop talking about our woes and get to talking about some of our old friends around the league. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Uh, we've talked a lot about the home road Rockies, which is very depressing. But we decided to do some catching up with some old friends, old pals across the league. Uh... A lot from the last year's club and guys just in the past, but a lot from last year or anybody else that you can think of. But there's been a lot of faces. I wrote about this in a rock pile on Mother's Day. You can check that out. But the stats aren't going to be as up-to-date. They still won't be up-to-date when you hear this. But (laughs) that's the beauty of the space-time continuum and podcasting. But uh, first off, the big name. That's obviously missing from the Rockies this year. Trevor Story, he's over in Boston, signed that big contract. You know, their biggest signing of the offseason, playing second base. You know, he's kind of their uh, contingency plan at shortstop, depending on what happens with Xander Bogarts. But Trevor Story, unfortunately, it hasn't gone very well for him in Beantown. And he's been getting booed. He's been striking out a ton. He has just been struggling in the AL East. Um, so I just opened this up. Like It's kind of sad to see that happen in Trevor's story and you know, the reception that he's having right now over in Boston. Go ahead, Evan. I'll let you take this one to start. So the biggest key for story struggles right now, and story's always been a, a moderately high strikeout batter, but he's got the most strikeouts in the Red Sox lineup by a lot. He's got 37 strikeouts right now in 102 at-bats. Next uh, next man up is Bobby Dahlbeck with uh, 28 strikeouts. It's just, he's really whiffing a lot, and he's not getting the same power as we'd expect from him. He didn't hit his first home run of the year until just recently, and I think it's tough because he's in that market of Boston where the fans are very expectant and very vocal about when they are unhappy, and, you know, I can't think of a single time where in his Rockies tenure, even his his really rough 2017 season, that Trevor Story was booed off the field here in Colorado. And that's happened several times now in Boston. You know, that's the biggest thing of it for me personally. Like, obviously, I'm a little biased because I love um, our fan base in the Rockies. And I do. I, I really think the Rockies fan base in general is a great fan base. They're very you know, respectful. Uh, They have expectations of their players, of course, and of the team, but they are very respectful in general. But man, no hate to Boston fans, of course, you know, but whatever. But like, boy, oh boy, what a difference in the culture, isn't it? As Evan mentioned, Trevor Story is persona non grata over there. They are giving it to him. And I feel bad for him because, you know, that was the biggest offseason signing of the Red Sox was getting Trevor Story. And remember... Not to whatever, but uh, Trevor Story took less money at not his preferred position to play for the Red Sox as opposed to coming back with the Colorado Rockies. And we started the season on day one with Jose Iglesias as our starting shortstop and Trevor Story as the starting second baseman for the Red Sox. And everyone said, wow, what a difference. This is such a downgrade, whatever. No hate. Baseball is a business, and I get all that, but... uh. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how that turned out for us so far, actually. I mean, <laughs> look, it's a month and a half into the season. There is so much that could happen, and I get all that. But, like, 20, 30, however many games we are into the season, that change is looking pretty good right now. We've mentioned a lot that Jose Iglesias is arguably the Rockies' most consistent hitter, and Trevor Story right now looks completely lost at the plate and is getting booed off the field. I hope he figures it out. I hope that he can turn it around. I like Trevor Story. He was a phenomenal Rocky, one of my favorites to watch in a long time. But yeah, no, this is looking pretty good for us right now. 
I, I think the biggest thing for me, and was, was talking about this on MLB Network the other day, but I think the big thing for Story is he has that tendency to just put too much pressure on himself and start pressing. And I feel like that's probably what he's doing in Boston right now. He just signed that big contract. You know, there's all these expectations for that Boston team and for himself. And so he's kind of pressing and he's you know, falling back into bad habits again. You know, and so I, if he just you know, learns to relax and figure out, like, okay, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing, I, he'll figure it out eventually. He got his first home run of the season the other day. Uh, against the Atlanta Braves, so broke the seal on that one, and hopefully he can turn things around because you know, we know what Story can do, but it's rough when he has to to walk up to the plate and hear, you know, you wicked awful, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And... <laughs> That's Who let somebody from Boston into our podcast set? It's like he's really hey. here. That's crazy. Wicked smack. <laughs> Got Mark Wahlberg on our podcast all of a sudden. How you doing? <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. Yeah. Say hello to your mother for you me. Yes, you ever watch The Happening? Don't watch The Happening. It's it's, it's the trees. It's the trees. Have you come to murder me? No. What? No. no. The, the, is you're going to kill me in my sleep? What? No. What? No. Forget about it. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, We're just amazing. talking about Mark Wahlberg for the last 15 <laughs> minutes so here. So good. But it's rough, and so hopefully Story figures it out. Because you hate to see you know, your old friends struggle, even if a little part of you does enjoy it, because they didn't want to be here. And then we get into John Gray. And then we get into John Gray, who unfortunately was signed basically to be considered the number one for Texas. He's been put on the injured list for the third time already. Uh, once again, he had a knee strain. Looks like it's hurting him again after his most previous start against the Yankees, so they put him back on the injured list. It's been rough for our good buddy, the Gray Wolf, uh, which is unfortunate. So stop me if you've heard this one. This might be a bit of a rehash of something I said recently. But the Rockies let John Gray walk in free agency, which I know we did not like, and they signed Chad Cool, who is not expected to be much, and then we started the season with Chad Cool as our fifth starter, while John Gray was starting as the number one starter for Texas. And everyone said, oh man, what a downgrade. This is terrible. Where are we now? And again, it's the exact same thing with the Glacius and Story. That's not likely to be the case four months from now. I'm not saying that letting John Gray go was the move, any of that. All I'm saying is, it is wild to me that... The Rockies let Trevor Story and John Gray both walk in free agency and picked up two players on one-year deals that are just kind of show-me-something deals, and a lot of people consider them to be significant market downgrades. And Chad Cool saw his earned run average jump after Evan said in a most recent start that was not great. And his ERA now is sitting at so much higher than it was, which is 288. Like, like Chad Cool is pitching like a Cy Young candidate right now. Whereas, unfortunately, John Gray is battling multiple injuries. In no way am I saying that I'm happy to hear that. I obviously want John Gray to be successful. I love watching him pitch. I love the Gray Wolf. He's got arguably the greatest start in Rockies history with that 16-strikeout game against the, the Padres. All of that. All I'm saying is it is very, very interesting to see the change. Most definitely. And what's nice is, note is, is this gamble that they took. You, know, you never know how these are going to pan out. You can't predict that stuff. But like you're saying, Mac, who knew that Chad Cool and Jose Iglesias would, you know, basically, arguably, be better than Trevor Story and John Gray to start the 2022 right. season? Who knew that was going to happen? No, we all thought story was baseball. So it is weird. so weird. Oh, but it's yeah. it is again the same thing. It's tough to see him struggle. Go ahead, Evan. And even the even the guys of the guys of the Rockies signed this off season, uh, Cool and Iglesias were the guys I was expecting to maybe not do that well. And Alex Colome would be the gem signing of the off season, and that's completely one eighty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Colome has really been struggling, and then you know Cool and Iglesias. 
are, are both doing really well, really well. You know, Iglesias' defense is not so great, but he's making up for it with his hitting. And then it, it really mm-hmm. stinks that John Gray is struggling with these injuries, especially the most recent one is his knee, where he's so he's already been on the injured list twice this season, uh, a month in, and he exited his most recent start with some knee pain as well, where. John Gray having a difficulty staying healthy was an issue when he was here in the Rockies, but never to the degree of he had been on the injured list twice before the first month of the season was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, so that that stark difference, and we, we've seen John Gray deal with those health things before, but it's just the change to a new team. Again, expectations are high for the uh, Rangers. They spent all that money. And John Gray was one of their marquee signings they wanted, and it's not panning out because he's getting injured so much. You know, so they haven't been really been able to see what he can fully do healthy. It's rough, but again, Bill Schmidt's looking like a genius at the moment <laughs> with these early goings he of the sure season. Is, man, he sure is big dollar Bill Schmidt. But at least in Texas, John Gray isn't having to no get lassoed or anything and because he's doing terribly or anything it's just he's getting hurt yeah anyways moving on more around the league uh we have a couple old friends with the dodgers tyler anderson and yency almonte Uh, tyler anderson he did good last year with the pirates and then got sent over to the mariners he's turned things around he's been a fairly solid arm for teams but yency almonte just barely got called up to the Dodgers. He was down in AAA Oklahoma City, was doing very well, and then finally gets the call up and got into a game on Thursday night. Looked like a pretty good outing. Looks like that the Dodgers once again have taken a former Rocky and fixed him in some way. Uh, what do you <laughs> think on that, Evan? <laughs> it's really frustrating because like, nothing but the best to NC, obviously, but he was awful in his last season with the Rockies in 2021, 7.55 ERA uh, in only in in 47 and two thirds innings pitched. He gave up nine home runs. He walked 29 batters and struck out 47. So he was walking a lot. He was giving up a lot of contact. He was giving up a lot of runs, and so he he was not brought back, unfortunately. And he signs on with the Dodgers, and we were all thinking, oh, they're going to fix him, aren't they? And of course they did, where his velocity's up a couple ticks with the Oklahoma City Dodgers in 11 appearances, 15.1 innings, ERA of 3.52 with 25 strikeouts and only one walk. And then he gets called up and makes his first big league appearance with the Dodgers last night. He faces six batters, he strikes out four of them in two innings. And it's like... There you go. Is this where we're at now? And, and I can't... I can't fault the NC for going to the Dodgers. I can't fault the Dodgers for fixing them. They have one of the best pitching machines for for finding and improving pitching talent in all of baseball. But, man, that hurts, especially after how good of a 2020 season he had where it really looked like he was on the up and up, and then he just sort of cratered with us, and now he, he appears to be doing really well with the, with the Dodgers. And... And, you know, I'm never going to wish that anybody does poorly once they leave. But it would be nice if they did well with the team that wasn't in the same division as us. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Ain't that the truth? No, that's a tough one. But good on Yency. He had the potential. We've seen it before. You know, in 2020, he was so good. But then he just plummeted in 2021. And now the Dodgers have fixed something. I wouldn't doubt that he's throwing harder somehow added some ticks to his pitches. Good on him for doing better, but (laughs) why can't it be us? Why can't it be us? But, oh, yeah. Well, it's so weird because I know we've talked about this uh, in the past too, but, like, it's just so strange, the long history now of pitchers that go to these other teams and just kind of figure it out. You know, the Drew Pomerantz's, of the past and the Jake McGee's even, I know he had a rough out against the Rockies, but like, he's looked so much better since he went to the Dodgers and then now to the giants. Like it is just so strange how that works out. You know, like I, I don't really have a lot else to add to it beyond that, but just that 
concept is just bizarre. Yeah, it's a, one of those unsolved mysteries. I mean, and the the Rockies are not incapable totally. of of getting better out of a pitcher. Look at Chad Cool so far this season. But mm-hmm. yeah, it really is a source of frustration, and it's been like this for the longest time. Like going all the way back to Mike Hampton, where he was really really good. Came to the Rockies, was not good, and then when he left, he was good again. Yeah. It's a big mystery. A couple more quick hits around here. Probably the most famous cousin to ever play for the Rockies, Joshua Fuentes, is down in AAA with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and things are not going well for one Joshua Fuentes. Uh, I'll tell you right here. He's played 22 games as of our recording down in AAA Buffalo. He's batting 167, 224 on base, 218 slugging. He has struck out 35 times and walked just four times. And for comparison, he played 30 games in 2020. With the Rockies, he struck out 29 times. So he's already eclipsed that mark, and he is rapidly approaching the mark he had last season when he struck out 65 times in 95 games. So Joshua Fuentes has just continued his downward spiral since 2020, which is just unfortunate. He's also playing some shortstop and third base in AAA Buffalo. I hope he figures Good it out. Stuff. I love I Joshua. Know, man. But... I do too, but I'm not I don't know if he's going to, man. And I know that sounds mean, but like I just think that he's been around long enough, you know, like I just yeah, I don't he's, know if it's too late. He's twenty nine in triple A. He's a good yeah. two point six years older than the majority of his teammates. Exactly. And it's just the strikeouts, I think. If he can lower the strikeouts, make more contact He'd be in a much better spot with any number of teams. But we've seen it before with his time with the Rockies. His in, his plate discipline and inability to put the ball in play is what's really hurting him because we know he can play some pretty good defense. Oh, he's got mm-hmm. that going for him. And 2020, we saw what could happen at the plate when he gets on a roll and is hitting consistently. But now he's just so lost at the plate can't hit the ball and striking out a ton uh, you hate to see it but kind of like what we're what you guys are mentioning he, his time might be maybe running out as a you no know, professional ball player at least ever reaching the majors again yep and that and that's a bummer you know because as evan said we liked him we he's he seems got some upside but man if there's one thing you got to figure out when you were bigly here man you got to keep him strikeout sound or if you're not you got to be able to back it up with another part of your game that is, you know, top tier. And I'm just not sure he has that right now, which I know sounds mean, but, you know, it's a business. Yep. It's a living. It is but a living. At least the Canadians would be a lot nicer to him if he ever got to the big league level. So, <laughs> go out there and try again there, eh? <laughs> Are we doing accents today? Skyler really is doing accents today. <laughs> They're There's killer. something. Um, Indeed. <laughs> and then speaking of his cousin, we don't have to talk too much about he who must not be named, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> uh, but Nolan's in his second season in St. Louis. He's doing really well. Oh, he's no a high caliber bat again, hitting very well uh, for the Cardinals. And it's just good to see him, you know, continuing his production. It hurts that he's not here still. Oh, but it is what it is. At least he's enjoying himself over there and enjoying a lot of success at the plate especially because last year was uh, probably not up to the levels that we expected from him in that first season, but looks like he's getting right back on track here in his second season with the Cardinals. So good on him. Good for Nolan Arnott. Mm-hmm. But one guy I did want to talk about here, last one here, Chichi Gonzalez, uh, the infamous long reliever, fifth starter for the Rockies for the past couple of years. He's over in Minnesota, don't you know, in AAA for the St. Paul Twins. 
Is that what they're called? Oh, Wherever it is. St. Paul. <laughs> and he tossed – the other night he going. tossed six no-hit innings <laughs> uh, in a good start. But Chichi Gonzalez getting into that depth there for the Minnesota Twins doing his thing. This is a potentially hot take. I think Chichi Gonzalez still has some upside. We do our ranking the Rockies series every year, and I wrote about Chichi Gonzalez for the last season. And I think that I think that Chichi Gonzalez has potential. You know, former first round pick. He's a guy that didn't pitch very well for the Rockies in his last season, but he was acceptable. And I really do think that Chichi Gonzalez can ch- contribute to a major league team. Is he going to be your front end starter that you know throws 200 innings and? has a 190 earned run average? Absolutely not. But I do think Chichi Gonzalez is a guy that can continue to develop into a solid number four or five starter on a big league team. Maybe the, that happens to hit with him and the Twins. I don't know. I think the main thing for Chichi is that he is starting to really tick up there in years of breaking into the big leagues as a starter. So he's, That's true. He's 30 now. But he is having a really strong season so far with the St. Paul Saints, the AAA organization for the Twins. Uh, ERA of 376 in 26 innings pitched with 22 strikeouts. Uh, his big flaws right now are still giving up a decent chunk of home runs, three so far, and walks with 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's not terrible numbers. At the very least, he is a good depth piece for the Twins right now, where if they oh, have one of their starters go down, he is someone that they could call upon to come up and, and pitch some serviceable baseball for them for a couple of years. And he has that experience of pitching out of the bullpen as a long guy. So, you know, if something happens in that bullpen, they can call him up. Hey, we need you to eat some innings and whatnot. Maybe get a spot start here or there. You know, he has his place and it's good for him to kind of refine some things, you know, work on whatnot in AAA and then see what happens after that. You know, maybe signs on, gets a spot with the Oakland A's next year or something. Know, kind of like Ryan Castellani is right now. That's right. Hey, I've been set up before. No such thing as a bad minor league deal. It, that is true. I stand that by it, true. too. But that is true. best of luck to all of our former friends around the league, uh, the ones we didn't talk about. Uh, hope you do well, just not against the Rockies. That's all we ask. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining along with us and hearing us talk about stuff. Uh, Mac, where can the folks find you? What are you working on? Yeah, man. Hit me up at Cormac Battle Pro on Twitter, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. You'll catch me typically on Tuesdays and Fridays doing our game uh, threads and recaps, which is always a blast. And that is mostly what I spend my time doing if I'm not, you know, playing Super Smash Brothers or Kingdom Hearts as per usual. Ooh, good stuff. Uh, and yeah. hit him up with the Doctor Strange spoilers. Oh, dude, do it. Let me talk about that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Evan, how about you? What are you working on? Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on my Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I'd love to hear from you. Um, normally, I'm just working on my Thursday rock piles. Uh, most recent one was about Jonathan Daza and how he seems to be proving this year that he's got the big league medal to be a solid contributor here for the Rockies. Um, we talked about a little bit earlier, one of the oddly enough, best hitting Rockies on the road right now. It's great to see, especially for a guy that you didn't really know where he fit in with this team at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. Um, I'm also thinking about writing about Dexter Fowler at some point because I've been feeling nostalgic about him. Dexter. Aww. I love Dexy. And then I also do game day coverage mostly on Sundays. So I'll be doing, uh, I do Fridays, and I do fill-in spots for when people need some assistance, that kind of thing. Yeah, he does. But Sunday's Sunday's my usual day. Uh, You can also hit us up at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. If you have anything to say about our wonderful little show here, please feel free to say it. And then, uh, Skylar, how about you? Where can our listeners find you at? You can find me on the Twitters at at sideline underscore crowd. I haven't been as active as much since I can't really watch the games because of AT&T Sportsnet <laughs> and all the garbage with some of the TV station, mm-hmm. TV network providers. Mm-hmm. So mostly try and radio, and that's a little bit more inconsistent. But I always do my best on the Twitters. Uh, and then you have my Sunday rock piles. As always, I figure out what to write about those. Hopefully it's something good. But 
that's going to do it here for this edition. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely see you next time here on Affected by Altitude. Uh, Mac, hit him with it. Uh, farewell. Say hi to your mother for me. <sighs> <laughs> Killing me. Please leave that in. <laughs>